Hello and welcome to Mash Mouth, a podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, Mash. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Ethan. Ethan, okay, so in this episode, um, we'll get into it, but there's a little bit of a backstory about um, cheating in school. <laughs> and I know that we're both uh, pretty goody two-shoes kind of people. <laughs> so do you have any cheating stories of uh, like ever cheating on a test or anything in school? Okay, so this is kind of embarrassing. I, I don't <laughs> really. I don't have like a story of me conning my way into some test answers, you know. But there was one time in middle school, and this is so dumb, and I, I apologize for everyone listening who's going to feel secondhand embarrassment over hearing this story. But in middle school, we had to take a state test, right? Something not reflected in our grade, but something of like, hey, here's your general aptitude, something like that. And it was one of those things where you had to put your name and your school on the, the header. And I, being an idiot in seventh grade, <laughs> just for this day, my brain short-circuited and I could not remember how to spell my middle school. So I looked over to the kid next to me like really obviously and like tried to figure out how uh, they spelled it. And the teacher like was like, hey, Ethan, what are you doing? And I was just like, uh, mm, uh, like not, <laughs> I wasn't trying to get any answers. I was just being a moron and didn't remember how to spell the school I went to for two years. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. I think that mine is a little bit like, I don't know, more on the side of actually cheating. But like, even so, it really wasn't. I can only think of really one time. Mine was also in middle school, too. It was also on a state aptitude test where you're timed, right? Like you back before they had technology and everybody did everything on like a Chromebook in public school in the United Oof. States. We had the teachers just call time of like, OK, stop writing now. And I remember like furiously scribbling to finish an answer. And then being like, okay, I cheated. <laughs> and that was like my badass moment of just like, look at me cheating on a state test. I was like 12. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. We should clarify that neither of us have ever cheated in higher education. Our cheating no. experience <laughs> is limited to middle school because we're such little goody <laughs> choosers. Yes, definitely. Never cheated in college. Never cheated in law school. Please at my law school. Don't kick me out. <laughs> The peak of our rebellion, our teenage rebellion, was seventh grade. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Ethan, let's get into this episode a little bit more and get away from our cheating scandals of the yesteryear. <laughs> so in this episode called George, when a young gay soldier is being treated at the 4077th, Frank wants to out him and send him home on a dishonorable discharge because, of course, it's Frank. But Equality Kings, Hawkeye and Trapper, make it their mission to stop this from happening. So Ethan... Right off the bat, what did you think about this episode? This episode was interesting. I've heard of this episode. This is one of those, uh, I think this episode is kind of relatively famous as like one of the first good representations of gay people being like human beings on mm -hmm. television. And it was interesting to watch it because it was not as like heavy or as focused on that as you might think. It was very much like a regular episode of MASH that happened to feature around a gay character. If it was like a Korean soldier, like one of their like regular wheelhouse kind of things, it would have probably played out relatively the same, you know? It wasn't like, here's our big gay episode. It was just like, okay, this <laughs> happened to them. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that um, I note 
as the episode goes on and we'll talk about it. But you could tell that they were like really towing that line because, you know, being gay during this time period was still super controversial. Like you Mm -hmm. were not out as gay, stuff like that. And yeah, you could definitely tell that they were they were talking about it, but they were not making this big deal about it. And I think that, of course, they could have went that avenue with it, but I think that they were kind of playing it safe. But I think that the episode didn't suffer for that necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like you said, if they were in a different situation with like a different soldier that Frank was just being prejudiced or bigoted against, it would have played like essentially the same. We've seen it in the past of Frank being like, kind of racist towards uh, Korean soldiers and whatnot. So yeah, I agree with you. And I, I liked this episode. I think it was, I think it was oh, still yeah. done really well. It was very solid. It wasn't very funny. I didn't find uh, a lot of like good humor in it, but like for what it was trying to do, I think as like baby steps towards like, hey, gay people are people too, uh, mm-hmm. as represented on television. I think it was pretty well done, like not spectacular, But if you were like in the 70s and watching this kind of stuff for the first time, I imagine that it would have made more of an impact, you know, but I've already seen the decades later of, you know, incorporating more of this into regular kind of sitcom stuff. So it plays a little more like, okay, this is a little more mundane. Yeah, definitely. No, I get what you mean. So to get into the plot of the episode, I really liked how it opened with the OR scene. I thought that Trapper singing Under My Skin, which is a song that I absolutely love, was Mm -hmm. so funny. And uh, Wayne Rogers was actually such a good singer. I was kind of surprised. Yeah. Uh, As soon as he started singing Under My Skin and I like recognize that song, I was like, oh, Vanessa, Vanessa's having a field day right now. (laughs) You know me so well. Oh, God, that's so funny. (laughs) I also thought it was great that, um, like I said, we'll get into rank and kind of being an incompetent doctor and stuff like that. But I thought it was really funny that they were subtly kind of setting up for Frank being an idiot in the OR um, mm-hmm. with him just like assisting Hawkeye in a surgery and he was just like not doing well with it. And I thought that that was really funny too. Very subtle. <laughs> yeah. The fact that that does like play in was kind of surprising because they always make fun of Frank for being a bad doctor. There's, <laughs> there's not an episode that goes by where they don't like neg him about his surgeon abilities but the fact <laughs> that it's like plot relevant this time it like catches you off guard if you've seen every other episode yeah so they actually make a comment during that or scene where they talk about i think it was trapper who was operating on him maybe i don't remember but The character George has a bunch of bruises on his face and they do make reference to it in the OR scene. One of the doctors does. And then in the post-op scene, I feel like Frank goes in like stages of just like, okay, like what's this episode Frank going to be? And Mm -hmm. we got hyper patriotism Frank in this episode. So, okay, this is going to be something about like Frank's red-blooded American uh, just really going hard for it. (laughs) Frank is a man of many layers and they're all kind of bad and this is this is pre- prejudice Frank. Frank is a man of many layers and all of them are very bad. That's like we can we put that on merch? Jeez, that's so In funny. Theory, maybe I could draw Frank and we could just uh skirt around the copyright of that. But yeah, I think the introduction of George is pretty interesting because he's just kind of one of many in the the post op right now. 
Like, there's a guy with a broken leg who Frank is trying to send back to the army lines. And then we kind of see George, and he's just, you know, a guy. And he's uh, maybe the most 70s-looking man on the show we've had so (laughs) far. I fully thought this guy was Mark Hamill, but only because he has the exact same haircut as Luke Skywalker. (laughs) Oh, my God. Isn't that so funny? Oh, my God. He does have a very similar haircut. That's so fun. It's, I fully thought that man was Mark Hamill, but it like Mark Hamill in like 1973 would be like 14, I think. Like still pretty <laughs> young. <laughs> yeah, you had mentioned a soldier who had his leg in a full cast and Frank was like, he doesn't need any R&R in Tokyo. And you see Henry kind of butt in of like, dude, calm down. Like, why are you, Why are you being like so hot about the war effort right now like Mm -hmm. it's not that big of a deal like we're not gonna lose the korean war if this guy who is in a full leg cast goes and rests his leg for a little while like calm down frank and it's uh it's great irony because he wants to send this guy who does not want to be on the front lines again to the front lines and then you have george who is like raring to go who wants to be there and wants to fight for his country But because he's, you know, rumors about him being gay, not even like him being confirmed to be gay to Frank, he's like, oh, well, we have to ruin this man's life and give him a dishonorable discharge. Some great irony writing there. And it's not necessarily something that is like in your face, but they do set it up really well that Frank is just a man of hypocrisy. Yeah, and speaking on that, too, I thought that the writing was really good in this episode for that little, like, subtle, hey, like, let people live their lives. It's none of your business, that kind of thing, because Frank is talking to George, and he says to him, you know, oh, I'd have you reprimanded for fighting if um, you weren't such a good soldier, because we find out that he's been wounded, like, four times up at the front lines, and he still is, like, going back and going back and going back, obviously very, like, dedicated to the war effort, and... So Hawkeye leans over to Frank and is like, hey, it's a free country, basically. Like, you can fight whoever you want. And I think that that was probably done on purpose for the Mm -hmm. topic of the episode of like, hey, leave people alone. Let people do, you know, what they want to do. You can fight who you want and also love who you want. Exactly. 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 (laughs) So then right after this scene, we have this scene of Hawkeye kind of just like moseying about being his very Hawkeye self. He's like painting mm-hmm. the toenails of a nurse. And I thought that, oh, I thought that scene was, was really funny. Okay. Can we pause for a second and talk about yeah. this this uh, nurse that he's painting the nails of? <laughs> okay. So he's sitting there. He's smooth talking her, painting her nails. And, you know, she's having a good time. She's going along with him. But then she says that she's going on a date with Trapper later. I'm like, why would you have Hawkeye paint your nails if you're not, like, interested in going on a date with him? That feels, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) I think it's funny that the nurses are like, yeah, let's have the surgeons paint our toenails because, like, they have, like, really fine precision, you know, and they'd actually do it really (laughs) well. (laughs) So, like, I have to respect the hustle, but also, yeah, Yeah. it was kind of, like, mean to lead Hawkeye on like that. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you let somebody paint your nails, you're you're setting up expectations. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um yeah, for sure. That was that was a really funny scene. Um and it was also creepy that Raider was like, can I watch? That oh, was yeah, so I strange. About that. <laughs> Radar's a good boy, but sometimes they, they don't know how to like handle his like 
adolescent virgin energy. It doesn't, it's not always pointed in the right direction. (laughs) I like, of course, I love radar, but that was just like so weird. (laughs) So after that whole debacle, um, (laughs) Hawkeye is walking and uh, he meets up with George. And George is like, you know, I got to get back to the front. I want to go back there. And Hawkeye, Hawkeye is like, why do you want to go back so bad? You know, all this kind of stuff. Clearly, you're not getting along with the people in your outfit. They beat you up. And then this is when George confides in Hawkeye that he got drunk one night and was talking a little bit too much about it was kind of implied to be a sexual experience with another man. And he said to Hawkeye, I can see you around the hospital. I see that you care about people. And I thought it was so amazing and such a good view of Hawkeye's character. George was risking everything by confirming this to Hawkeye that um, he got beat up because he was gay. And he was like, okay, well, if if I can confide in anybody, it's got to be this guy who like genuinely mm-hmm. cares about the people in the hospital and the people who he's treating. And he was still taking this huge, huge risk, but he was willing to do it because he had a feeling that Hawkeye was going to be okay with it. And yeah, yeah I just re- I really, I really liked that. Yeah, uh, even the way that Hawkeye confirms that he's okay with it was kind of funny. George says, like, oh, they beat up two people. They they beat up one uh, person of color and one homosexual. And Hawkeye just says, like, you're of color then. Uh, <laughs> and of the how they could handle that, it was like a nice Hawkeye kind of deflating situation, making a joke out of it, but also confirming that he's on board with it. Like he's not going to make a big deal of it at all by not even like fully acknowledging it. And again, I've said this before with Hawkeye, like being such a good guy for a guy in the fifties, uh, where it is like, yeah, maybe this guy like doesn't necessarily exist. But also, it's something that you kind of understand because, like, Hawkeye's a doctor. He's a good doctor. And good doctors, like, have an oath to help everybody. So it's, like, one of those things where you're like, okay, yeah, in theory, Hawkeye being, like, negative prejudiced most of the time is, like, not realistic for this guy. But also, you can justify it in your head of, like, okay, well, he's this guy who believes this. And it, like, makes sense. I don't know, like, I wonder how much of a disservice we're doing to people who were of Hawkeye's age in the 1950s. Of That's life. true. <laughs> I think about this sometimes when we're doing the show of like, oh, yeah, they would probably be like more prejudiced and not okay with it and this and other thing. But I think that we also forget uh, that right after this era was like the 60s era of like, you know, yeah. free love and stuff like that, um, where equality was kind of like thriving. And of course, people held those sentiments before as well. Again, I don't know how realistic it is necessarily on either side, but I would like to think that people in the 1950s like sometimes did not care if uh, someone was different from them. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I. that's the thing, right? Like doing the show and we're like pretty removed from the era that it's even like representing is that our memory of the 50s is just like media about the 50s and media yeah. about the 50s is playing off of like the more extreme ends of things where everybody even in like good things are a little more caricatured to show like the general attitude of the era not necessarily showing that there are people like Hawkeye in like real life who were just like yeah people are people humans are humans let's just uh respect everybody 
those people definitely exist and like white guys from like middle america <laughs> were definitely that but the fact that like we're shown mainly like the extreme ends of things it kind of like distorts our view trying to talk about this part or my view uh <laughs> not to talk for you it distorts my view of like what the 50s were generally like but i'm sure that there were a lot of people like hawkeye who were just kind of cool with stuff around this kind of thing you know yeah absolutely i think that um that you kind of hit it on the head of like we're so removed from it that it feels like such fiction because the things that we've seen we learned about the 50s in school of course and that was our that's like our main <laughs> touchstone for the 50s of like learning about it in school and of course like you can't have all those nuances in school all the time necessarily but hopefully people like hawkeye actually existed um which we know that they did yeah because hawkeye is based on a real guy that's true that's true I also thought that it was, um, to kind of go back to George for a second, I thought that it was really interesting that George was so keen to get back to his outfit because I think that they were really, the writers were really trying to say something with his character. He almost has like something to prove like, hey, like I'm this gay kid in the 1950s and in the military. I have to show that I'm like all for the war effort. I'm American. Like I love my country, stuff like that. And he very well might have done that anyway, of course. But I think that he felt that need to do that more so than maybe other people because of who he was and his sexuality and like what people thought of him in his outfit. And I thought that that was very well done. Yeah, it's not something they like beat you over the head with. It was just like, yeah, this guy wants to be in the war because he kind of needs to prove to himself and others that like he's a full-blown person. He's, you know... An American, he, he believes in things, which felt realistic. I feel like mm -hmm. this this does happen a lot with people who are not of the norm, let's say, uh, that they, they have to fight harder to be kind of well-respected, even if they are in, like, the closet like this. They have to, like, prove to themselves that they're still worthy of being a person and how they do that is like fighting this war but like fighting it really really well yeah and we even saw that at some points like when they talked about race it was almost the same thing of like the nurse ginger she was like hey you know i'm still an officer you have to treat me with respect and like she's still in the war and has to do like a good job and even not with a like a minority group situation of just like Remember when Ron Howard's character was there and he was he also had something to prove because he felt like this inadequacy. I feel like that was a, mm -hmm. probably a common thing of like Oh, it 100% is. It, yeah, like, of absolutely. Proving yourself through the war effort and that's like that in of itself is crazy and we could go off about that, but yeah, yeah. I think that because we have seen that before, it didn't feel like as weird or like misplaced, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's a great contrast to like the Ron Howard one of it because like the Ron Howard one is kind of just like misguided. I need to prove I'm a man to nobody kind of thing. Uh, yeah. But in this era, like uh, in the military, I don't know. I understand it. Like as as a disabled person who has to like prove himself a little more uh, around like new people. I understand, like, where this guy is coming from of, like, needing that kind of validation of saying, like, okay, I can do this, even though I am different. I think it was a pretty positive representation of, like, 
needing to be like that that war guy patriotic person where in other episodes it is more criticized of like being more kind of misplaced uh machismo or whatever Mm -hmm. this one is just full-on like you need the validation for like pretty legitimate reasons yeah absolutely and of course like blanket disclaimer like no one has to prove themselves to like be who they are of course like (laughs) we we know that now but of course it makes sense back yeah. When the time period of MASH was supposed to be and in filming the show in the 70s. So, yeah, I thought just all in all, very well done. Loved this scene. This got way more uh, personal and heavy than I uh, I anticipated it to be. <laughs> so <laughs> after all of that, after that, like, really nice scene. And this is the last time we actually see George on yeah. screen. He is seen very, very little. And I think that was done on purpose. But I, I will get more into my thoughts on that. So <laughs> the next scene is with Hawkeye and Trapper in the swamp and they're playing this like drunken checkers thing and it's very funny. Yeah. Um, and Frank comes in and he kind of says to Hawkeye and Trapper that he found out through gossip that George is gay. And <laughs> I thought that this scene was just done really, really well. I genuinely disliked Frank in all of this episode. As we always say, this is like Frank being like just kind of the worst. But I did like good old schoolgirl Frank with a little secret to tell. Uh, it was very, very funny. And he was just so like, la-di-da-di-da, don't you want to know? Uh, it was so like cute and weird for this grown like 40-year-old man to be like, ho, 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 I have a secret. And, <laughs> and of course, Hawkeye and Trapper playing drunk checkers was hilarious. Just all their little shot glasses. I'm sure that that is an actual drinking game that like college students play. But like <laughs> the nerdy fraternities, you know, they're like, let's play turbo. <laughs> um, I thought it was also funny. So in this scene, Hawkeye tells Trapper why George was beat up too right before Frank comes into the tent and Trapper is also dissatisfied with this information as much as Hawkeye was and I think that that also spoke to Trapper's character and Hawkeye Mm -hmm. Hawkeye being able to tell Trapper the secret knowing that he's not going to like spread it around the camp as we learn that Frank is very just taking all the gossip spreading it everywhere all that kind of stuff so I thought it was really funny when Frank walked in and he has that little secret, like you said, he was doing his whole his whole thing of like, I have a secret. And he tells <laughs> Hawkeye and Trapper and he goes, we have one of those in the camp. And Hawkeye and Trapper give each other this look of like, can you believe this guy? It was just a very funny visual acting moment. And it was so, I thought it was so, so good. I, I loved that. Yeah, no, definitely. I, that was really funny. Just the way that they handle, like, Frank's bigotry is is always so funny because they dress it down so well. It, it's always like, can he get a load of this absolute idiot? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's really good. And the fact that they, they're talking about, you know, George being gay and, like, being pretty, like, open about it and, like, you know... Uh, but then the second, like, Frank walks in, they, like, switch to talking about, like, some utter nonsense. They start talking about Hitler. They talk about how Frank is Hitler. And it's like, Frank, like, is like, oh, I know that trick. You you talk about Hitler when you talk about me. And Hawkeye says, like, oh, when we're talking about Hitler, we're talking, or when we talk about you, we're talking about Hitler. Uh, <laughs> and just like, Frank, my dude, maybe have some self-awareness. If they're referring to you as Hitler... 
maybe you should uh, change your your <laughs> habits a bit, you know? Maybe you should chill the fuck out, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> so I also really liked this scene. This is what I was talking about um, before, where I said I felt like the writers were being like incredibly careful with this episode because it was such like a sensitive topic, even though no one's sexuality should be a sensitive topic. It's just ridiculous. But I, at one point, I think Hawkeye or Trapper tells Frank to go operate on the flag. And I felt like that was this scene with Frank, Hawkeye and Trapper was not necessarily like condoning homosexuality. If you like if you watch the scene, you can tell that Hawkeye and Trapper are displeased with what happened to George. And of course they are because they're, you know, our equality kings over here. (laughs) They see him as a human being like regardless and they might not necessarily agree with his, you know, I don't want to say agree with his lifestyle. They might like not be necessarily comfortable. And you can see that in in this scene because they're not condoning it to Frank. They're not saying like, yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I don't care and all this kind of stuff. They are in certain ways and like subtle ways of like, it's not your business, Frank. Like who cares? It's not your business. But they're not outright saying, yeah, I support LGBT rights. Like, you know what I mean? So I think that the writers were being super careful with this, but also in a very like, I feel realistic way of how it would be handled. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do think that realistically they couldn't like come outright and be like, we love gay people. (laughs) I thought it was so interesting that they do pretty directly call out like religious bigotry towards, you know, gay people. Because Hawkeye, like, straight up tells Frank, like, like, next time you're perusing the Bible, make sure that you really find the section that says, like, so-and-so, like, hatred is okay or whatever. And I thought it was, like, kind of brave for them to, like, fully do that on TV uh, in the 70s. Be like, yeah, religious bigotry is kind of stupid. Yeah, that wasn't in this scene. That was actually in the ending scene. But I... Yeah, I agree with you because I did think that like in my notes, I said, damn, they went there because I do think that it was still like really controversial to be kind of butting up against religion in America at this time. Although that being said, we are coming off of the 60s where there was like more of a backlash against religion. Again, nothing, nothing against religion necessarily, but um, it was it was very interesting to see like hey, like, take your religious hypocrisy and shove it, basically. Yeah. And I did think that, I do agree with you that that was quite brave of the writers. I'm really kind of surprised that they went there. Yeah, because in that sense, they made it not just Frank's thing. Because in this episode, Frank is pretty much the only one who has, like, any trouble with it. Even, like, Margaret, when Margaret finds out about it, although she doesn't really find out about it directly, Frank just says that George is like a pervert and she's like, oh my, that nice boy. (laughs) We never get the scene of like Margaret also being like bigoted towards anybody. Yeah. Uh, But by them saying like, hey, take your religious values away from this. It is like making it more than just Frank. Look at the idiot who's wrong about everything. Be wrong about something. They're like, oh wait, no, this comes from someplace real. It was like pretty cool of them to do. I was not fully expecting that yeah me neither and it was really quick and i think it was for that reason of just like that is so so touchy even still it was quick but it was definitely present and i definitely enjoyed it i definitely appreciated that a lot but to go back to this scene of course when hawkeye and trapper are telling frank hey mind your own business he's not hurting anybody like leave him alone 
And Frank storms out of the tent, of course, because he's like, I'm going to write a letter and get him dishonorably discharged. And Hawkeye and Trapper look at each other and they're like, oh, do you think he's actually going to do it? And I had to be like, guys, you know him. He tries to get Henry fired every other week. Like, <laughs> you, of course he's going to make waves about this. What are you talking about? <laughs> that is true. That that man loves to write a good letter to uh Somebody who's probably reading these be like, oh my God, it's Frank Burns again. <laughs> it's Frank Burns again. <laughs> <laughs> I also, um, so they reconverge with Margaret, like you said. And when Margaret finds out that he, that George is like a pervert, I don't know. I may, maybe like, maybe she thought he was something else. I, I don't know. But I thought it was really funny that Frank was like, he's sick. He's disgust. He's this oh, and that yeah. and the other thing. And Margaret was, like, being a good nurse about it. She's like, well, if he needs to be quarantined, I have to know right away. Like, you have to keep me updated on these things. I'm head nurse. And meanwhile, it's just Frank being, like, an asshole. Because, of Mm -hmm. course, it is. That's another uh, point towards them being, like, good doctors is why they're not, like, upset about this Hawkeye and Trapper. That fact that Frank uses this kind of, like, insinuation, kind of, like, these classical idioms of like oh well he's not like us he's you know he's different Mm -hmm. but the fact that he's using like these medical terms that like people would just throw on casually uh and it totally goes over margaret's head because she's thinking like literally is like really great i love the fact that margaret was like well if he's sick he needs to be quarantined like not even thinking like oh he's sick in the head he needs to be away from us as people really great just everything about this episode the more i talk about it i'm like actually you know this is actually like a pretty good episode of tv yeah and then i also thought the scene with henry was really funny too like of course this is set up where only frank has an issue with george being gay so frank goes to henry and says oh, I want like the dishonorable discharge forms or whatever he has to do to ruin this kid's life, like literally ruin his life. And Henry is not having it. He's just not participating in it. It was so typical Henry to be like, I'm not dealing with this because it doesn't immediately impact the camp. Like this Mm -hmm. gay kids in camp, okay. Like is the world burning? Who cares, Frank? And I felt that that was so in character for Henry. Like all of them were really in character. And I love that. Even uh, he says like, oh, did he make a pass at you? And, you know, he obviously didn't. And he's just like, whatever. Who cares? It doesn't bother you. You know, this is a very special episode uh, where they're dealing with these heavy themes, but they do handle it pretty well where it isn't overbearing at all. Really well done on the part of pretty much everybody. Yeah, and I thought that it was interesting that in episodes previous where they are dealing with these topics, these like more heavy topics, these more controversial topics, they have the comedy so much like interspliced into those moments. And it wasn't necessarily the same in this episode. And I thought that that was a really interesting choice where there were like some funny one liners and whatnot. But usually when they were dealing with the topic of like war, it was so hard on the comedy to kind of contrast it to make it more palpable mm-hmm. for the audience clearly um and it didn't necessarily it didn't really do that i feel this episode and i thought that that was interesting yeah no it's very confident to kind of let your show just be this and not have to worry about like well we need a joke every page or yeah. like need five jokes every page they did kind of let it play out and like you said everybody's in character 
So it is funny because these are funny people, but they're mm-hmm. not like, you know, falling over themselves and making goofs and gaps every minute to like, <laughs> don't worry, this isn't too heavy. Don't worry about it. We're fine. It feels like natural. Like the funny moments felt like characters being funny rather than the writer trying to be like, I need something to lay in the mood here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And so we're kind of at the end of the episode where Hawkeye and Trapper are, of course, going to scheme to uh, make sure that Frank cannot succeed with his plans of ruining George's life and giving him a dishonorable discharge. So (laughs) I thought that this ending was just so perfect for Hawkeye and Trapper on the same topic of everybody being in character. Like, of course, this is something they do. This was something that they would do regardless, right, to get their way, where they have Frank basically admit that he paid for answers for his uh for his medical exams when he was in med school in his first year and that ties into our of course our opening topic of talking about cheating we didn't just like do that for no reason um and i thought that that was so great because like i said at the beginning the show was setting up for frank just being this incompetent doctor because he actually did not pass medical school And this this is a huge revelation, by the way. Like, this is a pretty self-contained show. They don't tend to, like, carry things over from episode to episode. But the knowledge that, like, Frank never, like, actually passed his, like, medical school exams, like, well, wild. Well, he passed, but he paid for answers in his first year. It was, it well, was yeah, very isolated still, to, like, his first year. <laughs> like they said, they don't care about the when, they just care about the what. Like, they, they call that yeah. out. So him doing this legitimately does invalidate him as a doctor. They, like, use it as, like, <laughs> hey, you're basically doing the same thing to this kid. But, like, after this episode ends, He's still practicing on people, and he really shouldn't. <laughs> he, uh, this is a legitimate, like, hey, maybe, uh, maybe we shouldn't let Frank be in the, the medical field anymore. <laughs> well, not to defend Frank Burns, but if you do recall, they did say that Frank had to basically go to medical school three times. That so is maybe true, this was actually. on his first round that he paid <laughs> maybe, for, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe after the second and third time, he, uh, just passed because he just knew it at that point. <laughs> Listen, I, I, uh, I don't know. I know Frank leaves the show at some point, but I don't know how. And I assume it's not through dishonorable medical discharge. I assume he gets to live like a happy life. <laughs> no spoilers, but no, that's not what happens. <laughs> it's really funny if I uh, started writing like a hate fan fiction where I'm like, this is how Frank gets discharged. This is him being like ruined his life. <laughs> Wait, can you actually do that? I'd read that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe. Uh, if I ever write some MASH fan fiction, I've never written fan fiction <laughs> in my life. But if I do, I'll uh, we'll share it with our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Drop your best MASH fan fiction. We yeah. will read it. <laughs> Email it to us. We'll uh, we'll talk about it on the show. <laughs> So anyway, back to the show. Um, yeah, basically that's that's kind of like how it ends. Hawkeye and Trapper stage this fight about George and then get Frank to admit it. And then it's kind of all over. And then Frank decides to tear up the letter that he's going to send about George. And then I thought it was really funny at the end. You could see that like Larry Linville couldn't tear up the envelope. He was like having a problem, like struggling <clears throat> tearing up the envelope. So Alan Alda kind of like took it from him and tore it up with him. <laughs> and I thought that that was just perfect. That was really funny. Also, I got a shout out. 
Frank's aggressive licking of the envelope to close it. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Larry Linville is so good at this like weird physical comedy that they have Frank do. His like angry licking gold. I loved it. <laughs> it is pretty good. I like it a lot. Um, so yeah, so we're at the end of the episode. So overall, like, what did you, did you, what did you think about this episode? I definitely liked it more now that we talked about it, which typically happens. Um, I had, I know I just asked you this question, but I'm going to go for a second. Um, I had a little bit of not necessarily an issue, but I do think that this was, like I said, done strategically where they are talking about this character, George, and you don't see him a lot in the episode Mm -hmm. where, And I think that the writers kind of had to do that because they had the audience kind of like sympathizing with George at this point. And they didn't want to like bring up more of the fact that he was gay, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like they didn't show him on screen because they didn't want people to like judge his character. I feel that that's what I took away from it. And so it kind of like left this hole in the end of the episode where you would probably see any other character like revisited a little bit in that pre credits scene, but we didn't see that at this point. Um, and I think that that has to do with the subject matter. Yeah. The fact that like George doesn't come back and like shake Hawkeye's hand to be like, Oh, thank you for yeah. your fine service or whatever. You can kind of feel that it is something that like probably would have made the episode better. But like you're saying, I do understand why they, they didn't because you know, having a a gay character at this time would be such, like, a loaded thing that, like, having him on more than uh, was necessary is, like, playing with fire where they, like, even beyond, like, the audience starting to dislike him because of their own biases, them themselves, like, writing for this guy or this performance, like, could lean into, like, territory that they didn't want to, like, address. Mm -hmm. So I understand it, but, like, you're right. Having just like one more scene with him probably would have elevated this episode as a whole. As it stands, it just kind of ends. They're like, well, this kid's not going to get dishonorably discharged. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I really like this episode more uh, now that we've talked about it. It does feel more thoughtful and pretty solid. I think they handled it the best that they could for the time, mm-hmm. even though it is kind of missing uh, something that would have made it like a really standout episode of TV. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, do you have any favorite lines from this episode? I know we said that it wasn't heavy on the comedy, but I did think that there were some funny ones in there. So they're in the mess hall, right? Uh, like after surgery or just OR kind of shenanigans. And they've been there like forever and they're exhausted. And Hawkeye says to Radar, like, oh, if you can get me an extra serving of this, I'll kiss every ounce of fat in your head. And I'm just like, that is the most <laughs> insane thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh, not like a blowout h- hilarious line, but every ounce of fat in your head is insane. Also, <laughs> got a shout out. There was a scene that we didn't talk about with Henry. There's this nurse giving Henry like a spa day and (laughs) Hawkeye comes in and like is angry at Henry for like going along with Frank and like he's like no I didn't and Hawkeye is just like oh well how dare you do the right thing which is like pretty good. (laughs) The scene right before that where Radar is informing Hawkeye and Trapper that Frank is making a big thing about George and Hawkeye and Trapper in the showers and everybody claps 
Yeah, that was really funny. <laughs> but Radar says, oh, Major Burns is making static about, you know, George. And Hawkeye says, Major Burns is loaded with static. He was born in a taxi with the radio on while it was stalled under a bridge. And I thought that that was just beautiful. That was an amazing line. <laughs> <laughs> that is really good. That went over my head. Um, oh, I so loved good. that. I loved that. <laughs> I was distracted by the clapping. <laughs> Okay, so I do have some trivia for this episode. Good, good, good. So trivia today is going to be about the LGBT kind of experience in the military, mostly focusing on like gay and lesbian and bisexual people because trans people, that's like kind of a whole other issue. Um, so we're kind of focusing on that because it was what was in the episode today. So from the period between 1949 and 1993, like a lot happened and it wasn't great. <laughs> So on May 6, 1950, Harry Truman created the Uniform Code of Military Justice, which created a single system of justice for the armed forces of the U.S. Article 25 of this code made sodomy and any unnatural carnal copulation forbidden, basically essentially being gay. Anyone found to have engaged in homosexual acts received an undesirable discharge, while those who hadn't engaged in homosexual acts received just a regular discharge. Pre-service screeners were implemented to test whether a service member was potentially gay, but of course, passing members of the LGBT community were still able to serve. The most notable example I can think of is uh, Harvey Milk. He was a prominent uh, 1970s politician. He actually served in the Korean War, and he was openly gay. And of course, like he was openly gay like after the military, but he was mm -hmm. still gay while he was in the military. So yeah. those screeners didn't necessarily work. Of course they didn't work. Yeah. And so basically this is where the show was at both at the time of filming and when it was set in the 1950s. And also when this episode was supposed to take place was we've talked um, extensively about this before, but this was the height of McCarthy era, um, McCarthyism and the Red Scare. And so the systemic targeting of gay people in not just the military, but also in all government positions, like kind of trying to weed out who was gay, was called the Lavender Scare, um, as opposed to like the Red Scare. So it was it was very interesting. So some of the penalties and fallouts for being dishonorably discharged for basically being gay. Um, so depending on the discharge, it was likened to a felony conviction. You basically couldn't get a job, couldn't collect unemployment or own property, vote, and among other things. And in the 1980s, the Department of Defense issued a statement saying that homosexuality was incompatible with military service. So if that gives you any indication of like how gay people were treated at this time in the military and just like kind of in general, that's like what it was. Um, I do also have to note that in, I think, 1972, right before for this episode of MASH aired, homosexuality was taken off of the list of registered psychiatric issues. Yeah, so I think that that kind of gives context also to this episode. Maybe that's why they decided to like kind of tackle that issue. That's super interesting. That's crazy heavy. I have more actually. Oh my I'm gosh, okay. So <laughs> um, I don't want to end on like a super like not positive note. So I do have more about this because um, it's it's a really like long, extensive history. So between the periods of 1993 and 2011 was the Don't Ask, Don't Tell era, which I feel like a lot of more people um, in our generation are familiar with. And that was um, 
that was something implemented by President Clinton that said, you know, gay people can serve in the military. We're not going to ask if they're gay. But like if they tell us that they're gay, like they can't serve in the military. Basically that kind of mentality. And you could still be you couldn't be openly gay in the U.S. military during this time period. And then, of course, in 2011, that was repealed, thankfully. And so discrimination still kind of, you know, was a thing, of course, um, even after Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed. But fortunately, the armed forces established procedures in 2013 to amend the discharges of service members who had been given anything less than an honorable discharge because of, you know, like their sexuality or anything like that. So they would be able to receive full veteran benefits. So all in all, you know, a lot of problems, but I'm glad that that kind of resolved a little bit. Yes, uh, of course. Uh, that That is kind of hard to hear about. It's just so unfortunate that people have their lives ruined because of just the way that they are. Very, very sad to hear about, but also something that you should hear about, because if you don't learn yeah. about it, then history repeats itself in theory. So thank you for bringing that to the table today with a little more heavy trivia. I do have some more fun trivia if we want to get into a little bit of a lighter topic. The actor who played George, his name was Richard Eli. I apologize if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. He didn't have this huge acting career, but he is probably actually best known for this role, which is really cool. He was born in Indiana and passed away recently in 2019 at the age of 74. But besides this episode, he was on a TV show called The Young Rebels in 1970, One Life to Live, and a TV show called Texas. That was his last acting credit in 1982. So to make it a little bit better, <laughs> we have some trivia about this actor. Is who Mark I thought was Hamill really good in this role. Of a man. Uh, but no, he, was, <laughs> he only really had one scene. But he played it really well. And I'm sure asking any actor of this time to do this was kind of like touchy. But he, you know, he did it really well without ever kind of like evolving into stereotype. Yeah, definitely. I really, I really liked him in this role. So after all of that, I got a lot of this research from this video by a creator on YouTube. His name is Matt Baum. Um, we'll link his video in the description of our episode. Definitely check it out. He goes into a really extensive history about just LGBT people in general in the military and in America at this time. And it's just such a great video. I know that we both really like it. So we yeah. hope that our listeners like it too. His whole channel is pretty great. It's very focused on gay representation in media. But if you're interested in learning about that kind of thing, as he's probably one of the best people on YouTube to watch that kind of content about. But going from that, I want to ask you, what's your martini rating of this episode? So this is really hard for me, as it always is. You know, I think I'm going to stick with my original martini rating and just go 3.5. Um, it was it was good. You know, I want to <laughs> say, actually, <laughs> upon upon discussion, <laughs> I think that this is actually a four for me. Yeah. Um, upon first watch, it was a 3.5 just because I felt like it was a very like run of the mill mash episode almost even with all these topics but then discussing it with you of course made me like it more so yeah I would go four I would go four as well it wasn't like an it was an outstanding episode for like the era and what they're trying to do but for me watching it it didn't quite nail the like extreme kind of like oh my god I love this episode kind of feeling that I can have when I have like a full five out of five episode but four out of five very very good and I thought they handled what they wanted to handle 
pretty well given the touchy subject matter for the time period. Yeah, absolutely. Have to agree with that one. You could say this episode is like a classy wine of an episode. Where you're like, <laughs> this is not getting me blackout drunk, but you know, it's it's still there, you know? Swill? I do not swill gin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> All right, so just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to Jacob Virabalco for being our technical consultant, Melissa, my sister, for cover art, and of course, our listeners, thank you so much. Our music, social media, and contacts for the show are linked in the description, as always. You can join us next week for Season 2, Episode 23, Mail Call, but until then, watch the Protestants versus Catholics football game. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone. Not a lot to talk about this episode, huh? Really gonna be a quick recording, huh?